0: Hey, have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? Well, Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. And best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. I love it for the simple fact that it brings the sponsors to you. You don't have to search for them. And they distribute it to all the major platforms for you. So if you want to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to Anchor.fm/start. Again, Anchor.fm slash S-T-A-R-T to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. And that's it. Let's go. Allow me to reintroduce myself. What's up, everybody? And this is your boy, Supreme Decisions. And I'm coming to you today with a new podcast Supreme with an old track. twist. And thank you for listening to the Supreme Legal Minute. This was an interview I did back in 2014, uh, a little more than 18 months after I had won the racketeering case in which I was involved in DeKalb County, Georgia. This was one of the things that I actually like to bring up, simply because the things I say in this episode or in during this interview, they're still holding true today because law does not change, law is not subjective, and law is written and concise. I'm going to play this interview. I hope you like it. Leave a comment. Download it. Listen to it in pieces because this interview actually is right along about an hour and a half. So get ready. Sit down. Get your pens and paper ready. And know this is done for you with love. So on to the episode.
1: Patrima and peace, health, and guiding, and welcome to Civil Alert Rising 360. This is your host, Sister Sintashia, Kiyama Joy L, broadcasting here live and direct on this April 22nd, 2014, live and direct from North America, Sierra Estados Unidos, Al Morica de Norte, the land in the farthest west, northwest of Mexico, northwest of America, Northwest Africa, Americana Septentrionale, Amarouk, Amarouka, all of that. I thank you so much for being here this evening. And I'll have to say in the words of my illustrious uncle, how is life treating you? How are you treating life? I trust that everything is working in your favor. Tonight, we are going to go into... Freedom of Movement 360, this is going to be a full circle discussion about the right to travel, the unalienable right, or should I say the unalienable right to move about on the land, today happens to be Earth Day, big up to everybody if y'all celebrating it or if you planted some trees or started your farm or your garden, that's excellent But we're addressing this because although there are Supreme Court cases that have laid the precedent to state that everyone has an unalienable right to pretty much to move about on the land, and although this has also been recognized um, in the international community, um, particularly with the Organization of American States through the American Declaration on the Rights and Duties of Man, Also, too, through the United Nations, the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights, and of course, um, even um, constitutionally, because as we will um, look at tonight, and I'm pretty sure many of you are already familiar um, with the constitutional violations that occur, um, also, too, in regards to the violations and the breach of the um, United States Code that occur when the highwaymen, also known as police formerly known as the Slave Patrollers, infringe upon our people's rights. Present to discuss this issue, uh, we have here Brother Richard L. Bay. And Brother Richard um, has been very um, successful with addressing these issues, and he also won um, the major case in regards to the um, Adverse Possession um, where DeKalb County was trying to bring RICO charges um, against him, I should say, trying where they did bring um, RICO charges against him and Alicia White Israel, and they, as you know, um, did win that case. So, without any further delay, I'm going to bring Richard on. And um, prior to us, I'm starting the show. I do want to send um, a sincere um, condolences. Um, to the family, friends, and students of the empress Vertice of the Washita um, nation. Um, I did get word um, that she transpired, um, so she's now on the um, soul plane. And I just want to send out my condolences uh, um, to everyone, and I thank you for the brothers and sisters that actually sent me the information over in regards to that because I wasn't aware. All right, so we're going to um, dive into the discovery here Tonight's subject matter And I do advise you all to um, Have your pen and your paper ready uh, Because in addition To addressing um, Several case precedents um, Richard is going to um, Address The separation of acts I'm sorry Separation of power um, Doctrine And also too we're going to um, I should say separation of powers act. I said that wrong excuse me um also, to um addressing the whole concept of police being in violation of insurance i mean committing insurance fraud when they evade and will not ask questions during stops um what one should actually do prior to being stopped um addressing the whole concept of um automatic seizure, also to looking at um, the removal of cases from the city and the state um, level to the federal level and also addressing the whole concept of attorneys, of certain attorneys not being able to go into federal court, and he's also going to address a couple of his situations and what happened and what transpired with his freedom of movement um, issues. Have you all had any issues? If you have, feel free to chime in. Um, We'll open up the lines pretty much the next hour, Um, and the direct dial is 858-357-8450. Again, that's 858-357-8450, and that's option one uh, to chime in. Let's see here. Shalom and good evening. Richard, how are you?
2: I'm great.
1: That is good. Welcome back to Civil Alert.
2: Yes, ma'am. Great to be back.
1: Oh, yes. You know, when we first talked, I did not know that so much was going to come out um, in regard to the freedom of movement. When you start mentioning a couple of things, I said, oh, wait a minute, Rich. I was like, I have to ask you to come back on.
2: <laughs> well, yeah, it, it and, um, I guess most of our conversations end with us, uh, you know, with pen and paper hand on both of our hands. Well, me with my iPad. But, um, <laughs> but um, you know, it, it's a it's a lot of things because one of the things I do is at some point every day, you know, no matter how I'm feeling or what's going on, I sit down and I study um, some form of case law. One of the one of my favorite places is Harvard Law Review, and another one is Yale's Law Journal, as well as um, Cornell's Law Journal. You know, they have you know different cases that they speak on. They go a little bit more in depth, so I can grab a better understanding of some of the cases that I use. Because um, I think I told you on last week, uh, my 24th case was accepted in federal court. Um,
1: 24? Okay. mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, number 24 was accepted last week. Go
1: ahead. Uh huh.
2: And as you know, I'm 23 and 0, so I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to stay like Mayweather in this thing. <laughs> I
1: know that's right. I I hear you <laughs> on that. Mhm. So um. It's
2: so, know, just just pushing forward and applying the things that I'm learning. Right, I hear
1: you. Um, I'm glad that you had mentioned that about the law reviews. Um, for a long time, I was just thinking that, okay, they publish like a newsletter or a little journal, and it circulated, and once it's circulated, that's about it. Lo and behold, I didn't know when I went into the law library how everything is pretty much um, in thick volumes. It seemed like the yes. volumes for the Harvard Law Review was going on and on and on to the breaking dawn. That's <laughs> Right,
2: and they yeah. actually go back. Um, if you go to the website, they go back, I believe, six years. But if you actually mm-hmm. log on and start looking, um, for let's say case specific items, and um, like one of the one of the ones I did last week because we were doing, uh, I was working on something for, I was trying to find tactics that Cox Media uses whenever they're being sued. Mm-hmm. So I just did a search for First Amendment was my first one, and the second one was Cox Media. And mm-hmm. it was amazing the amount of lawsuits and the amount of um writing that was done just on just by Harvard law. And how mm-hmm. and the different views that they gave, but how they broke each and every case down. And I think okay. I'm actually like six cases in, but At the end of the day, I've noticed the similarity in patterns, what they're filing, the time they're filing it, and, you know, what they're doing to win those. And I always Mm -hmm. go back to G.I. Joe knowing it's half the battle. So if I know what they're going to do, then guess what? I know what to do to go against that. Right. how to defend as well as become offensive from my defense.
1: Mm Mm-hmm hmm I see what you're saying.
2: So it's no surprises besides. So, right. And then uh, that was what we mm-hmm. spoke about on the last call, understanding the nature of the beast. Because mm-hmm. the beast doesn't change. It just changes form. That's it. All of them do okay. the same thing. And it's just understanding that pattern. Because now I understand, I have a good understanding of the beast that I'll be facing um, with the Cox Media lawsuit and how to deal with it
1: hmm Now, with that, do you, I mean, are you okay with going into a little bit of the overview of that
2: too, or? Okay, the overview of it is most people have no idea that they cannot just put you on TV or put your name in the paper or basically do anything. Everything draws from your consent whether you're an extra in a movie or you're on the six o'clock news, they have to get mm-hmm. your consent, no matter what the situation is. Mm-hmm. And even let's say you give your consent for one art, for one interview or one article, they cannot use your image, your likeness, your name without your permission beyond that one article. And it's amazing at how it's written everywhere, and few of us even know about it. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the things that that works in our favor with the Cox Media lawsuit is nobody ever said, hey, let's get on TV, or hey, um, let's do an interview for the newspaper. And the one interview that was done, every other image after that, because – And I actually wrote a motion while we were in trial addressing the fact that even if I did give consent or the judge allowed the media inside the courtroom, my objection still stands because you're still not allowed to show me because I'm not giving you my permission. Mm -hmm. And it's actually a Time Warner case that I found where a young lady did three interviews with Time Warner. They aired those three interviews. Well, she declined to do a fourth interview. Well, they used bits and pieces from the three previous interviews and showed her again. The problem was when she sued them, they went, oh, she gave us permission to use those first three interviews. The judge ruled that she did not give you consent to use those three interviews for a fourth showing. So she Mm -hmm. won her case. And um, because many of us see things like, um, I don't know what it is around your area or where everybody's at, but in our area we have what they call the dollar paper, where everybody that gets locked up, they put their face either on the Internet or they put it in the the newspaper. Mm
1: -hmm. Everybody
2: pay a dollar for it, you can get access to it. And what's funny is I actually had a conversation with the guy because um, he had pointed – me and him, he and I was talking – And he brought up the fact, he said, well, your name and your image was on public record. He said, I could do it if I wanted to. I politely pointed out that, no, you cannot. So when I sent him over the case law, he actually changed how he deals with putting people in his newspaper, as well as if they're found not guilty, how he addresses their not guilty verdict in his newspaper. Mm-hmm. And it's just amazing at one conversation and showing him a couple of case laws and showing him a couple of cases that where these guys were losing just because, one, if you're using my mugshot and I was not convicted, not only are you working as a conspiracy with the um, law enforcement, because you can't take my fingerprint unless it is part of an investigation, and you cannot take a picture of me unless it is a part of an investigation or I have been convicted and given you consent. And it's an it's a old, it's a 1963 New Jersey case that states you can't be fingerprinted because the funny part is I was never fingerprinted nor taken a picture of when I was um, arrested in the cab County. Mm-hmm. And it, it it cracked everybody up because I told them flat out, you can't do that. Go ahead and put me in a jumpsuit and send me upstairs so I can go see the judge in the morning. Mm-hmm. And after they actually sent me in front of the wrong judge, and I I pretty much gave him his gave him the spiel to let him off the hook. They never took me back in front of a judge, and they never decided to fingerprint me or take a picture. Of me. Wow. Mhm. Mhm. That that was with the that was with the uh, right to travel situation. No, that was actually um, between two (laughs) situations. Now it started with Mm -hmm. Cox Media, but that was actually when we were arrested for the uh, RICO. um, When I was actually when myself and Alicia were, we represented our own interests in the matter, Mm -hmm. and we won. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm.
2: Um, But it kind of carried over, but because they were all related. For the most part, it was related Mm -hmm. because, Mm -hmm. again, Fox Media did things that, you know, they were not allowed to do because we never gave consent. And it's on record that we never gave consent multiple times. And even they are on record to saying we didn't do it, and they did it on TV. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so... I was kind of a run over. Just basically, everything that that generates within your life, you have to give consent for, and that's one one of the biggest things. No matter no matter what's going on or how it's going on, you have to give them permission to do whatever they do to you. Because at the at the end of the day, because what I learned early when I started doing this was the only thing they can do is aggravate the piss out of you. That's it. Mhm,
1: mhm.
2: And at some point, even even when you are uh, let's, say, let's say they do something like lock you up. Now, one of the people I derive from is I read, I read a lot of Paul because Paul, he spoke about whether he was rich or whether he was poor. He was happy and he was humble because he understood who his father was. His blessings didn't lie within his body and it didn't lie within his circumstances. It lied within him, his heart, his being. And that's what I try to do with anything. Because just like um, myself, when I was locked up, I was only locked up for 72 days. So, you know, and unfortunately, it wasn't my first experience. But when you have a brother like Elisha who had never been in trouble in, you know, all his years walking the earth, when he's locked away and he's able to stay not – in a, quote-unquote, prison of his physical, but being free because he didn't allow his circumstance to become a part of him and to be able to transcend his surroundings and to right. grasp onto what was going on beyond what he was and to still be able right. to move forward faith and act as he did, you know, that's one of the things that I've actually learned from him because, you know... <laughs> And that's what I was – I guess you and I were speaking about earlier today is because whenever you're learning about law, law is not just words on paper.
1: Mm -hmm. The law
2: of Yahweh is your mental and your spiritual. That's what this entire journey is about. It's not just about one thing. It is about you as a person. So understanding that and then moving forward in the law – You won't have to It kind of eliminates a lot of the extra that goes on Because it's finding that Getting yourself in balance And finding that balance There will be chaos Because every part of you Is going to fight with every other part of you But it's finding that balance And finding that way to be humble No matter what And not allowing your circumstance To become part of who you are Right
1: you said something key there. Um, finding, you said finding your balance is part of the chaos.
2: Yes. Mm. Yes. Because anytime you have three parts of, of anything that's going in different mm-hmm. directions, to put them back together, it's going to take a little work to get all three of them working in harmony. Mm-hmm. I don't care what it is, whether it's marbles or you can't even get two two or three parts in harmony on the stove unless you're doing something. You got to do right. a lot of extra stuff, all three of them, at the same time, working in harmony so the meal can get on the on the plate at the same time and everybody eat at the same time. Mm-hmm. It takes a little chaos to get that together. But once it's mm-hmm. done, everything then becomes very smooth. It becomes um, almost rhythmic. And that's what everybody is striving for, something that's rhythmic but not necessarily um I, I, I'm not even understanding the word that I'm trying to get to. But it's just just trying to find that 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 balance. It's going to take a little work to get to. It's oh, not yeah. going to happen overnight. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, because just like I, I speak every time Sorry, I speak, I've been on this journey for five years, so this is not something that I just started doing. This is not right. something that I just learned. And it's something that I work at daily. You know, I still have issues where, um, you know, somebody says something stupid and they know it's stupid, and I have to respond to it. And I'm learning to deal with that. <laughs> and you know, it's 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 a part of my chaos. <laughs> but I'm, I'm oh I'm, yes, it's I'm a growing a process. Are you are you speaking
1: of like saying something stupid in writing or in person? <laughs>
2: you know what? Most of the time, I find it stupid in person. And I'm a- okay. I was I was at the park with my son about three or four days ago. And it's and it's funny mm-hmm. because, you know, me and Alicia had just spoke about it like a couple hours before it happened. Mm-hmm. Well, this guy was at the park, he was taking pictures of his um kids, but it was like twenty kids Because I guess he had like a class or something. Mm-hmm. But um one of the parents had complained about him taking pictures. I guess they thought he was taking pictures of you know, one the, you know, something that he wasn't supposed to be doing. But for the most part, I'm sitting there and I'm watching the guy to make sure he ain't taking any space doing something he ain't supposed to do with my kids out here. So the police officer walked up to him. So he instantly turns his camera around and starts videoing him and his friend. So the police officer said, oh, well, that's the wiretap. Viol- that's a violation of Georgia's wiretap laws. Me, knowing that is a lie. To say something, and I asked him. I said, "Would you be talking about Title 15 and 16?" I said, "Which states, as long as his camera is in public view and you are speaking to him, which is one party, as long as one party has consent and he's not hiding that camera, that does not violate the wiretap laws." Is that the one that you're speaking of? And I flipped my iPad around and showed him the three wiretap laws for Georgia, which are three mm-hmm. statutes. And I said, and "The ones that actually apply to you, not him." I said because he's you have your car facing this way, which, by definition of this, makes your filming, I said, because I know the camera on your car is running. I said, because your camera is in your um, hood and not um, displayed on the outside of your car, you are actually in violation of this law. I said, is that the one that you're speaking of? So instantly, both <laughs> of the police officers look at me, and they turn to the other guy, and the guy said, yeah, would well, those be the law?" <laughs> and, goes, well, uh-huh. and instantly now both of them their chest is not poked out anymore they put their hands down and they go look you know one of the parents has said that you know they thought she was taking inappropriate pictures of their kids and stuff he's like well no i'm taking pictures of my children she, said, she likes she to watch look at my my camera if she doesn't like the pictures i'll delete them no big deal but Ooh, it was okay. just amazing because i was able to not only show them but to actually say it to them. Like, dude, mm-hmm. I can just say him a flat-out lie. <laughs> you know? I <laughs> mean, and, and, it's, and they, they are quick to do that. Why? Because there's a Supreme Court case that states that police officers are, are allowed to lie to people. Mm-hmm. When they're questioning you or they're talking to you, they are allowed to deceive you because you have the choice to carry on the conversation with them. Again, you have to give your consent to talk to them. Because even just like I was speaking about earlier, there's a section in the Georgia Constitution that states, and I believe it's, I believe it's Section 8, Paragraph 6, that states mm-hmm. executive officers are amendable to the public at all times. Now, me, when I first read that, the first thing that I looked up was amendable. I want to know what that is because I have no clue what amendable means. Well, that means, if I ask him a question, a police officer, a question like, who are you looking for? He has to answer me at all times. There is no ambiguity or or time frame or when he cannot answer that question. Now, if he does not answer that question, he then goes into insurance fraud. Why? Because every officer that's an executive officer, is required to have an insurance bond. And it actually is in the statute as well as the Constitution of Georgia. Now, along with that, he has now violated federal law because he's waived his immunity. Why? Because I've asked him a question. He's refused to answer it. He is, quote, unquote, the protector of my rights. Because actually, he said, they said at least 115 times in the Georgia Constitution, he is a trustee. And the duty of a trustee is to work to my benefit. Now, he has to work to my benefit, and he is, he is amendable to me, and he does not answer me. He has just waived his immunity. He can now be sued in his personal capacity. Why? Because he has insurance to be sued in his personal capacity. And under 15, Title 15, USC, 1122, he has now waived his immunity. But the big part of that is why he's waived his immunity is because, again, he said he is a trustee. He said he works towards my benefit. He also has waived his rights. He has then violated the insurance part of his oath. So, therefore, he has breached his judiciary duty. And most of us, if we go to take these people to federal court, we forget that portion of it. So the judge says, all right, well, okay, well, yeah, he waived it and he did this, but... Why? So why is he's breached his judiciary duty because here's the, here's the um, Constitution of Georgia. These are his duties. This is how he breached. And those simple little things like that would get get our cases kicked. But you also wow. have to make mm-hmm. sure you understand their procedure better than they do. Mm-hmm. And that is why I study every day.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, I see, because, like, when you said that about the insurance fraud so mm-hmm. the fraud coming in place i mean in regards to the breach of the oath
2: yes because if you're amendable to me and you've taken your oath to be amendable to me at all times i mean it, you can't argue against that well it was six o'clock well it was that time. yes you were amenable to him And one of the the first things um, I learned whenever we first started doing on our journey was Queen Bay, the first thing she said, whenever you're stopped by a police officer, the first thing you do is ask him, what is it I can help you with? What is it that you want? What is it that you need? Why? Because you have to take control of the conversation. My favorite question is if they say, uh, hey, I need you to stop. My first question is, who are you looking for? And know, funny because mm-hmm. that is not a response mm-hmm. they're used to getting. That is not a normal mm-hmm. response. But so guess what? Their body language changes. And it's amazing mm-hmm. to watch that transformation. And, it's, mm-hmm. and like I said, I used to always tell people, it sounds like words until you actually are able to witness it. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm at, the first time I saw it, the guy pulled, I was, I'm going to give you my first. <laughs> this is my first situation. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm riding the police wall at the courthouse um, because we were actually, I think we were picking up a judge's oath. So I didn't want to park because I figured we were only gonna be in there ten minutes. So I think it was like, mm-hmm. I think it was like a quarter to five. So I'm circling the courthouse. Georgia State Patrol officer gets behind me. So he's flashing his lights, and it and it's funny to me. So I stopped. I didn't pull off to the side of the road. I stopped in the middle of the road. He told me to pull over. I told him no. So he gets out of his car. We're in the middle of, I think, 12th Street or something like that, downtown Mm -hmm. Atlanta. Um, So he walks up beside me, and I asked him, I said, what do you want? (laughs) (laughs) He was like, what do you mean what do I want? I I said, "Uh, you're stopping my locomotion, so you must have something from a judge that tells you that I've either damaged somebody's property or he needs to speak with me. He goes, No, your music was too loud. I said, Oh, really? Okay, let me turn it off. So he's like, Well, no, I have to give you a ticket. He said, No, I need to see your ID. I said, Okay, again, who are you looking for? I said, Because if you're asking for my ID, that means you have some paperwork from the judge. Can I see that paperwork? He goes, Well, I don't have any paperwork. I said, So basically, again, you have re- restricted my locomotion and violated my rights. I said, I thought, I said, I thought, I said, well, I, I'm waiting on somebody, so. Go ahead and call your supervisor. And so I'm sitting in the middle of the road. And the funniest thing, I had never seen this happen before in my life. This was actually the first stop that I I had experienced since this. So I'm actually talking to people because remember I stopped in the middle of the highway. I mean in the middle of the road. So there are people just coming around us and stopping. I'm talking to people while I'm in the truck in the middle of a traffic stop. So now Alicia walks up to the truck and gets into a gets into the truck. And again, how how many people have you ever seen walk up to a car, get in it, with a police officer stopping them? You're never gonna see that. I haven't. I can't say I've seen that before, but you know,
1: at least was <laughs> going to do what she needs to do. But yeah, I haven't seen that.
2: So after about 20 minutes, as we're sitting there cracking up and we're talking to people, and you know, <laughs> it's just like the funniest thing ever. So the guy walks back up. And he goes, I'm not going to give you a ticket. I said, OK. He said, but I want to show you that that um you wrote the law. I said, Really? I said, You're going to show me a law. I said, I told Alicia, we leaned our chair back so he could lean across. And I said, Yeah, please show us that law. He pulls out a handbook and that says, I said, OK. I said, I want you to look at the front cover of that handbook. He goes, I said, What does that say? He said, Georgia's organic code. I said, Code. That doesn't say Georgia law. That says code. I said and you may want to look at Rodriguez versus Donovan. I said because at some point you made an assumption that I was a part of your association, and I don't recall getting any checks from the Georgia State Patrol. And I drove off with him standing in the middle of the highway, and that was the first experience that I ever had, and it was funny because I was like, oh my goodness, I'd never thought to do that, you know? Wow. <laughs> But it was. It was. Then I learned. Okay, I can't keep doing that. I know better than that. You know, that's just not a smart thing to do because you know you get difficult of acting that way. So I learned what I need to do to act in a manner so I don't get stopped. Mhm. Um. So I actually did that, but I didn't do it. I guess you would call it properly everywhere I need to be. So mm-hmm. um, this is the second story that you and I were speaking about earlier. I was actually, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. I was going through a neighborhood, and you know, just just going in and out in the neighborhood, going down every street, cause I was killing time, cause I was waiting for somebody, again, waiting for somebody to get get to where you know we were supposed to meet at. So this Fulton County police officer pulls up behind me. Um, so when he pulls up, I'm on the phone, and I told him, I said, look, I don't feel like talking to you, so you know, go ahead, call your supervisor. Again, that's one of the main things, because so most of these cops that pull you over, they have no idea what you're going to say to them. That's why I always ask for a supervisor. If you're going to stop me and waste my time, go get somebody that has some authority that I can actually sue, you know, somebody I can get paid from, because they've been, a supervisor has been there at least five to seven years, so they've got a little okay. bit of point in the bank. <laughs> mm-hmm. way, you know, I don't want to talk to a rookie, you know, because... They don't have nothing. They're wasting my time. <laughs> right. <laughs> because uh, that could easily tons be tons removed. Fast. Yeah, right. And, and mm-hmm. you get another knucklehead. Mm-hmm. So um, he calls supervisor Superbobby and I have some words or whatever. His partner then gets out the car. He's in and out of the car, and he's speaking to both of them. So while I'm sitting there waiting on them, and they call a tow truck driver and all the fun and stuff. So I'm sitting there with this really huge grin on my face. And I walk over to the officer that had get, gotten in and out of the car that I hadn't spoken to all night. So I said, do you have anything stupid that you would like to say to me? His words to me was because he, he had stepped away from me, at least six feet away from me. He put his hands behind his back and he put his hand down. He said, if you don't mind, I would like to stay out of this. I've informed them that I know exactly what you said to them. They refused to listen to what you had said to them. And I told them to keep my name off of their paperwork because I know what you said to them. See? And he said, if you don't mind, I would, I would like to not be a part of this. So I asked him, I told him, I said, yeah, you're good. So truck, Robert, then dragged my truck onto the tow truck. Mm-hmm. And I'm cracking up, and he's like, I've never seen somebody with such a good spirit about, you know, me dragging your truck, you know, up on the thing, and you got to walk and all this other stuff. I told him, I said, look, I said, I said, the funny part is, he violated my rights because he stopped me on the highway. I said, you're taking my truck on his orders. I said, because his supervisor didn't sign off on your warrant, your um, your order. So he looked down at the order, and it's blank. And I said, by you am taking it on, on the highway, it's a hardback violation. So both of them looking at me, I said, now y'all, I said since it's three of y'all, there's a conspiracy. So that means racketeering. I said, so that makes it easy. And I said, why would I be upset with someone that's guaranteeing my children that they can go to any college in the world and that I can be comfortable for the rest of my life? You're handing me millions of dollars. Why would I be upset with you? Thank you the next morning, (laughs) when I went down to the, I had filed my lawsuit, I went down to the um, Fulton County with, uh, I actually had a writ for this one, (laughs) because I just wanted to hand that to the judge. So when I was going in to file my writ and my motion, um, I ran into um, the police chief. He goes, look, if you don't mind, Please don't sue all of us because all he had to do was make a phone call. He didn't make a phone call. Please don't sue us. I told him. I said I'm cool with that. I said because I know a couple of weeks prior that I did um, talk with you and told you what I need to do. It was done. He didn't want to do that. That's cool. And the funny, the funniest part about that was, he asked me what had happened to my truck. Told him. I said they impounded my truck. Call down to the impound lot and told them, give him back his truck immediately. Get that truck off of that lot. Do not charge him a nickel for that truck. Everybody else had to show things like insurance, registration. They stood in line for an hour and a half, and they were talked to real crazy. I was in line 10 minutes, didn't give them a driver's license, didn't give them a social security card, did not give them any insurance and didn't give them a registered truck, and they handed me a piece of paper that had a big zero in the middle, of which they circled and stamped.
0: Mhm.
1: Wow. So this Hobbs Act, this is something um,
2: powerful. Now, what does the basically, the Hobbs Act entail? Basically, if if you're on quote unquote federal ground, and something of value is taken from you, in my case. I um, had value in my conveyance because that's how I got back and forth. Mm-hmm. So, therefore, the value in it for me was not monetary, but it was more economical because that is how I gained my economics. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So, therefore, it doesn't matter if it's a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, if it's any value to you and it's taken from you. By a show of authority or force or what have you, it is a Hobbes Act violation. And no matter what they tell you, if you are on a quote-unquote city street and they impound your conveyance and you have not committed a crime like damage to property or to anyone's person or you have not done something economically to somebody with your conveyance, they cannot, it is a Hobbs Act violation. Because, again, remember, they've stated 115 times in the Georgia Constitution that they are your trustee. If they're taking your commands, they just violated their duties as a trustee because they're not working towards your benefit. If they're not working towards your benefit, they've been violated their, that's a breach of fiduciary duties. And it's easy because you, they're going to hand you everything that you need, like a uh, citation. And I think that's what you and I spoke about before as far as the Separation of Powers Act. Because, again, if they take an oath as a police officer and they're on the highway and they give you a citation, generally that citation is going to have something about a fine or how to pay it and they're going to have a court date. Well, guess what? If it has a court date on it, they requested money from you, they just acted as a judiciary officer, which means that citation was written in perjury. Mm -hmm. And it's it's easy easy because there are a 100 court cases that state that is perjury because you took your oath as an executive officer not to, to give out citations. So oh, mhm mhm yeah you again, you have to enforce law you take you took an oath to enforce law If there's no damage to anybody's property or person or economics, and you have a citation, you're not enforcing law, you're trying to collect money for the courts, so therefore that makes you a judicial officer, which means you didn't take an oath as a judicial officer, you took it as an executive officer. They're the reason that now that citation is a lie. Because Executive Officer Brown cannot hand me a citation for court.
1: So you're talking about, like, in the case with dealing with the municipal um, cops, or are you talking about, like, even in regards to the county sheriffs?
2: Everybody. If you have not, cause see, one of the things that I, I love about my brother is mm-hmm. I, I actually told him I said tire emotion in Latin one day just to piss everybody off because <laughs> people love say oh, it's a, it's a dead language. It's a dead language. Uh,
0: uh-huh. Well, you
2: better not go to court because that's what they're speaking in court. And corpus delecti, that is body of proof. That tells you what a crime is. That tells you, What standing is, because, again, if you haven't damaged anybody's property or person or economics, you haven't committed a crime, and you haven't given anybody standing to sue you, because that's exactly what it is. It's a lawsuit, because everything you do is civil. They want to use the word criminal. Well, there's only one, quote, unquote, real, real criminal act, and that's murder. And the problem with that is the person that actually has to bring those charges, one, is the deceased. If the deceased is not there, it has to be a visible living witness. Somebody has to have seen you murder someone. Because that's the only way a crime is committed. There has to be some way of bringing proof of that and they try to make it complex and all this other crazy stuff because that's why they use the word spelling. When they are in the courtroom, uh, just like I was speaking to Satoshi the other day, we were speaking about the spelling, and it's not about the truth. If you want the truth, go praise Yahweh. Go to church because that's the only place the truth is going to live in. Now, if you want justice and defending the law, you have to understand how the spelling works. You take out certain words. You take out certain certain, certain levels of what you want to explain because it's not necessary. You keep it concise. This is what he did. This is how it's a violation. This is what I'm looking to happen from there. And that's it. You don't need to go through the entire story. And here's my proof. Because if you go through an entire story Well, I got pulled over by officer Johnson and he told me to get out of the car, and when I got out of the car, he put me up against the car, but man, nobody cares about all that because all that is not illegal That's just uh that's just something that came beyond the act, and nobody cares about that so whenever you're worry about those things and you're understanding the spelling of what's really going on. You're keeping it concise, and you're figuring out what your level of justice is. That's what the court is for, because all courts are, quote, unquote, if they're not Article 3 they're administrative courts. Mm-hmm. And if you're going through an administration, you have to understand the process and procedures of those that you are going into battle with. Mm-hmm. And that is why I spoke about earlier, understanding their pr- process and procedures better than they do. Because mm-hmm. they've been doing it wrong so long, they think what they're doing is right. Mm-hmm. Most of them have no idea that what they're doing is wrong because they're not taught that it's wrong. Mm-hmm. But once they figure them out them. that you do know what you're talking about, they leave right. you alone. Mm-hmm.
1: So with that in mind, what's your take on... Um,
2: removal, federal removal. Uh, that's, actually, that's actually my favorite thing. Um, when you understand how, again, the process and procedures work, and you understand that everything is civil, right? Mm-hmm. Now you understand, you start understanding how they apply to you. Every situation, how it applies to you. And then, because when it all boils down to, is the only court that has precedence or any jurisdiction over you which you get granted to them is the federal court. State courts don't really exist. And when I say when I say by really exist, state courts have to, and I want you to go look this one up. Howlett versus Rose, I believe is nineteen seventy seven. All state courts are bound by decisions of the District and Supreme Courts, period. That's Pollack, please spell that for us. H-O-W-L-E-T-T versus Rose. In fact, mm-hmm. let me look it up real quick.
1: Everyone, if you have any questions, um, you can dial 858-357-8450. Again, it's 858-357-8450. Rose, I'm sorry, go ahead.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I'm sorry, Rose, say that again. Okay, I'm me. Sorry, that was 19.
1: 1990,
2: Howlett versus Rose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Federal law and Supreme Court cases apply to all state court cases. So that's why I say they don't really exist, because they have to follow federal and Supreme Court cases, period. Again, there is no ambiguity to it. And and I'm going to give you another one, too, because this is my favorite one, because a guy brought this up to me a couple of days ago. And the reason why I like it is because if Adamson – Versus California,
0: 1947.
2: Now, Mm -hmm. the gist of the case itself is it was a United States Supreme Court case regarding the incorporation of the Fifth Amendment Bill of Rights. This decision was part of a long line of cases that eventually led to the selective incorporation doctrine. That is the doctrine that Howlett versus Rose is brought under. Because again, we're going to go back to Latin. You're going to hear words called steris decate, which means stand by the decision, which again applies to all state courts, which means all federal law and Supreme Court cases, the state court cannot ignore, period. Now, Addison versus California, 1947. Great case because it actually spelled out the simple fact that no statute, code, or ordinance that abridged any right overrode any federal law or Supreme Court decision. Why does that? Why does that just kind of kind of stand out to you? Because if you go back to Rodriguez versus Donovan. It's another Supreme Court case, but this one is in Pennsylvania. It plainly states, statutes, codes, and ordinances do not apply to human creatures that are not a part of the administration. Now, how is that relevant to us? If you remember the first story, I told the police officer, I don't recall getting a paycheck from the Georgia State Patrol. Right. That was letting him know, I'm not a part of your administration. Statutes and codes that you was just showing me does not apply to me. Why? Because of Howard versus Rose, which was incorporated through the Selective Incorporation Doctrine, which was set up at Addison versus California. Now, Why? what is the because name because of the doctrine again? I'm sorry, Reg.
1: What
2: was the... Um... Selective Incorporation mm-hmm. Doctrine.
1: doctrine. Doctrine.
2: Uh Uh-huh. And again, all these cases were done years apart, but all of them Mm -hmm. say the exact same thing. And then Adamson is the one that makes it stick. Why? Because you cannot argue with it because that was the case that showed plainly, without any argument, never been appealed or overridden, that and Supreme Court decisions, which are "quote unquote" our inalienable rights, because you cannot take away something you never gave to me. Mhm, mhm, right. That is spelled out in Addison versus California, which applies through the Fifth Amendment, which applies through the selective incorporation doctrine, which slaps them in the face with Halla versus Rose. Mm, I see what you're saying. Mhm. And again, all of that comes from. Harvard Law Review. Mm. And it comes from years of reading every month when they put out, you know, seven or ten new cases, reading those seven to ten new cases, and guess what? Separating them and how they apply in different situations. I see what you're saying. Understanding Mm -hmm. how they now apply to... If I get stopped by a police officer, okay, this is the the case that said he did it. Okay, now, because now what I'm doing, I'm going back through an annotated, um, um, I'm looking, I'm reading through an annotated um, Supreme Court decision book because not only does it tell tell me codes from the United States um, codes, but it also tells me the cases that apply to that code. And what's amazing to me is a lot of the cases that I have, a certain Fifth Amendment, a certain Fourth Amendment, there are actual codes that those cases apply to. And now, whenever I go to write out that situation that happened to me, and I add those cases with that code, now, guess what? I don't have to say a whole bunch of extra stuff because none of the other stuff matters. This is the violation. This is how he violated These are the codes that said he violated it. And this is my remedy. This is what I want to happen. I'm keeping it simple because now the judge can say, "Okay, well, where's the proof?" And I say, "Okay, it's attachment one." It makes it easier for everybody because now how can you argue with it? What are you going Oh, I didn't do that. Well, if you didn't do it, then how do you have any this come from your officer? Cause I even, and that was one of the things that I, I brought up in the um, in our racketeering trial. Because the one fact was the police officer that wrote the warrant, he actually wrote on paper that not on one, not on two, not on three, but five separate occasions, he was told by superior officers as well as judges that what we did was not a crime. He wrote that down, and I got him to admit that on the stand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Did you write this down? Yes. If it has your name on it and your badge number and your code and top, did you write it? Yes. So did you write that Judge Hancock said what they did is not a crime? Did you write that? Yes. Did you write it here? Also, when he asked you again, did you still try to get that bogus warrant um, filed against us? Did you write that down? Yes. And again, when how are they gonna argue when you have a copy or the actual citation in your hand and you're saying, Hey, this is the this is the proof that he breached his fiduciary duty and um violated his insurance policy. He violated his over right here. He waived it because he wrote it. He committed perjury because he wrote it. What is he gonna say? No, I didn't write that. Because if you ever notice their badge numbers are really sloppy, or the copy that you have, you can't read it, and their name is never spelled out.
1: And yeah, no I noticed to that. So it's like, um, yeah, in a lot of those cases, it's best to just go down, um, if it's like, you know, a city situation, just go down to the, um, the city hall or the, sorry, the court and get, I'm going to open office mm-hmm. request to get a copy of everything so that you can get room you don't, copies of, you know. You don't
2: even have to do that. You don't have to do I've what you do? And I ask them what are they looking for? Mhm. I'll ask. Um, uh, who are, who are you looking for, officer? And I uh, and they say, oh, I'm Officer O'Brien. Because, see, they're proud of it. They're proud to be officers. Oh, I'm Officer O'Brien. Thank you, Officer O'Brien. Who are you looking for? <laughs>
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: do you write it down. And and most of them they're so arrogant. I was saying, also, O'Brien. I apologize. I can't read your badge number because it's dark. It's something I probably already typed in my iPhone. And you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> but again, oh, well, my badge number is 0417. Thank you. <laughs> Makes it easy when I go down and file this losses. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you're
1: saying. So, because so again, you, you, you use the, the terminology
2: the, uh huh? It's understanding the nature of the beast because but uh-huh. you know, the, the greatest thing that i i've always I've always brought up to my brother because the the difference between my brother and myself is every time he got stopped, he got arrested. I do mean literally every time he got stopped, he got thrown to the ground, he got arrested every time I got mm-hmm. stopped, I went home. <laughs> <laughs> wow we filed the same sheets of paper. So that leaves the fact that it must be us. What's different about him that's different from me? Well, me, I smile. I'm polite. My voice isn't that deep. And as long as I'm sitting down, I'm not intimidated. And I actually play to their emotions until they say something stupid to me. But then I go to a a completely different person. But I never get that officer that feels threatened by me until I'm standing up in front of them, you know, because when you're 6'4", 270 pounds, like... <laughs> you tend to look down on the guy and get a little intimidated. But as long as I'm sitting down, I don't intimidate anybody, and then I'm not talking to you aggressively. I'm I'm laid back. I'm, well, you know, kind of well-mannered, and I'm asking you questions. I'm not answering anything that you're asking me, but I'm asking you questions. I'm not handing you anything. And, again, what okay. I'm saying to you is, mm-hmm. is plain, it's actually relevant to the situation. Mm-hmm. And, like I said, I've never gotten that aggressive cop that just wanted to just throw me on the ground or pull me out of the car, and I, 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 I've i never gotten that guy. Mm. I've gotten guys that pull guns out on me, and, you know, I start talking to them, and they put the guns up, and, you know, they're calling the supervisor, and I'm going home. You know what, when you say that, it kind of... I'm sorry, don't have? Oh, I was about to say it. I mean, I'm not sure if it's... Actually, I am sure. It's it's the way that I've evolved over the years because um, I'm not sure if you remember from the first call, I spoke about how every time one of them would speak to me, I would get angry and I would become so enraged that, you know, everything that I do would just fly out of my mouth. Mm hmm Now, that rage has turned into a it actually scares me sometimes how calm I am in certain situations. Mm. You know, I mean, you know, it makes me nervous because I'm like, I should be like boiling hot right now. And then I think about why should I be mad right now? Because in fact, actually, mm-hmm. it's the same a higher uh-huh, yeah, realization. It mm-hmm. Right. And that becomes, that comes from a spiritual growth. That becomes yeah. from a maturity. That becomes right. from a confidence and um teachings. Mhm. So, I mean, it, it just it just comes from a lot of little things and has evolved into something greater.
1: Mhm. I was going to say the calm being calm and collected. Um I was going to say that's your um gnostic strategy.
2: Well, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i mean you know, cuz like I said, mm-hmm. of the day, I actually look at every situation every time, you know, somebody says something crazy to me or You know, they want to stick their chest out. And it it actually caused me because I know what they're doing is a lie, and most of them know what they're doing is BS, too. And when I pull it up to them, I'm not being an ass about it. Mm -hmm. You know, and even when I am, I'm not being aggressive because even like when I was talking to those police officers, I didn't stand up. I wasn't raising my voice. I was actually sitting down, and I pulled out, hey, here it is. Need need to see the Constitution of Georgia, too? I got that, too. (laughs) <laughs> you know But it's just I mean it's just You know Because it's, it's, it's almost playful Because now If you get aggressive with me Guess what I do know my rights I don't have to tell you that Because I just showed you I know that right, So I now You're you getting ready To hand me money You're getting ready To make sure Either I'm going to be Locked away and uh, Nobody's going to see me Ever again in life Or I'm going to be Handed some money And my kids are going to Be very well off Or Number three Which a lot of times They're going to pick Door number three Is we're just going to Leave you alone Mm-hmm, hmm I'm going to so tell you why we're here, and we're going to leave you alone. hmm
1: So if this is a situation where if one doesn't, if it, you know, if they're not successful in addressing and missing everything in the bud right then and there on the spot,
2: when it comes to, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, and they were, again, because you remember I even spoke about that a little while ago, you're not always going to cop that's going to say, all right, well, we're just going to leave you alone. You're going to get that one knucklehead, just like I told you. Mm-hmm. I got the one knucklehead that didn't understand what I was saying to him, and he told my truck.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, right.
2: because understanding, all he can do is piss me off. That's it. You can imprison my body. That's cool, because when I get out at some point, because I haven't murdered anybody, you're know am going to have this discussion again in front of a federal judge. And nobody wants to go to federal court. Nobody. Now, when you get that and that knucklehead, what you do is now you follow procedure because whenever they hand you something, they hand, that citation itself, and you start looking at it, what they're doing is trying to cash in on money that you have. They're looking for money. That's that's all it is. It's a bill. They're handing you a bill. So now you figure out how to address that bill, and you use federal law, because what you now do is truth and lending. That's why they tell you, oh, you got three days to answer it, because if you don't answer it in three days, what happens? You have to show up to court, right? Oh, so that's three days, that's pretty
1: much like falling in line truth. with the three days right of rescission,
2: which is, under the, with, like,
1: and and mm-hmm.
2: which is under the truth and lending, which is under the truth and lending.
1: Right. And mm-hmm. guess what? When you mm-hmm. sign
2: it, because no contract is binding until you signed it. And mm-hmm. what I used to do to piss everybody off, I was sign it in red, not write B at arms under. On this one police officer asked me. He said, Why'd you write that? I said, Because you have a gun. <laughs> oh, <laughs> B mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and arms. Mhm. B and arms. And why did you write that on there in red? <laughs> because you have a gun. That's no I don't need any other reason. You're standing here in front of me with a gun telling me to sign something. So guess what? I find it under duress, which now what? If you sign something under duress, it now what? Because of contract law and Supreme Court cases, boy, it's the contract. Right. Because you're not entering a contract if it's not voluntarily. Right. I didn't volunteer for none of this mess. <laughs> I didn't say I was going to pay you anything. So now you got to take that hand to the judge because my copy's gonna have stamps on it. Because since we're going to international court, that's what I need to do. I need to go ahead and go into take an international contract into international court. Go ahead and enforce that.
1: Now you said an international contract. When you're saying that, yeah. are you talking about just in regards
2: to what the UCCs, or actually whenever you go into. Any courtroom, you always see the flag of war. That is an international flag. That is the signal that lets you know you have just entered into international waters. And I think it's actually, I think it's USC 4, I think, 4 or something like that. It's under Title 4. But it's flat out. It lets, they let you know they're not hiding it. That's the funny part. They don't hide anything that they're doing. And by not hiding anything they're doing, you know, it gives you an opportunity to go in properly. And now, again, it's not something that I recommend doing unless you understand, again, the procedures and process. Now, when you're understanding that, you'll understand, okay, well, do I want to go in and dishonor this contract, or do I want to go in and hold them accountable for this contract? Because, Either way you're winning. And it depends again, it depends on what you're looking for as justice. hmm
1: I see what you're saying with that. I see exactly. So when you start talking about the procedures, you're talking about the um civil procedures, the federal
2: Well, just like just like um okay. A lot of people was asking me about the New York stop and frisk. law. i said mean, it's flat mm-hmm. out illegal. Why? Because it's been illegal since 1940. Period. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's been illegal since 1940. The problem is nobody ever enforced it. it.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Now, to say now, okay, this is what you're allowed to do, well, guess what? Now you've got 40 million people. Guess what? They get a dollar a piece from the city. Yeah, this is what you're worth to us. Here's a dollar. So we stopped this you. Now, is that worth anything? Just like no, the um, not bad. Fair. Okay, well yeah. Okay, we illegally foreclosed on your house. We're gonna send you a check for twelve hundred bucks, but you gotta call us to get it. Guess what? Mm-hmm. Nobody's in them houses. <laughs> so guess what? Bank of America is coming off like a fat rat. Cause mm-hmm. how many people actually stayed in their house? Like, they were told by a congresswoman. Because banks cannot foreclose on our... She actually said, if you look, and one of my favorite people is Michael Moore. If you watch Fair Height 9-11, and you watch, um, I can't remember the last movie because I actually have it, but um, uh, Capitalism, A Love Story, mm-hmm. he shows you everything. Because they allow him to film stuff that, you know, most people don't care about. Because they're documentaries hmm right. Mm-hmm. right. And the Congresswoman on the floor said, do not move out of your house because bank can't foreclose on house, and they never have the original note. They never have it. Why? Because they wrote it. I even took a piece of that where it shows a bill where they said, it is okay to do an unconstitutional foreclosure. Mm-hmm. Nobody signed it. However... Judges let it fly because it was written up. It never went into effect. And see, those are those like little things like that. They don't hide it from you. They just know you're not gonna pay attention to it because it ain't got nothing to do with you know degrading women or or degrading yourself or being uneducated or blamed. Mhm, mhm. So. Cause that's what everybody's interested in. You getting high, drunk, or slapping somebody, and, and got gold teeth all in your mouth. Nobody cares about it. Mm. Isn't that
1: something? So what you say? It's all about reinforcing. And if yep. not,
2: they're not gonna. If they say if you don't say anything, they're not gonna say anything. Exactly. They're not gonna do their job unless you make them do it. Mhm. Mhm.
1: Wow. So so going back to what you were saying, like what we were talking about earlier with the um notice of removal, I noticed that like mm-hmm. we had talked earlier, you had said that certain attorneys cannot even go into federal court.
2: Okay, 'cause when you look when you go back mm-hmm. and you can actually look this up and all that good stuff. And I actually mm-hmm. recommend everybody
0: doing ninety
2: eight percent of attorneys. Do not practice law. You'll see words like Esquire and attorneys at law. Go on to any of your district court websites. Click on attorneys. And then there's a, there's a form that each attorney, if they want to go into federal court, they have to fill out because they have a bar card. They are not certified lawyers, only 2% of our practicing attorneys in the state are lawyers. Those are the ones that you see winning these huge cases against the airlines, the um, drug manufacturer. Why? Because they are practicing law. Now, if only 2% are practicing law and the masses are not under statute codes and ordinances, why is everything so reversed? Because nobody understands what true law is because you're being programmed that the statutes, codes, and ordinances are law. And if you also watch them on the Channel 6 News, because that becomes more interesting than actually picking up a book or going to the Harvard website and they're saying, okay, well, they broke the dog leash law. Mm -hmm. There's no dog leash law. Mm -hmm. And, in fact, you look at Martha Stewart, she went to prison for insider trading. Right. Mm -hmm. Because she decided to move money that was hers. Not her company's, her money. She sold off stock because she was told by a friend, hey, man, this came across my desk, it looked kind of screwed up, so I would move all of your personal." But guess what? She moved her personal. She went to prison for moving her money so she wouldn't lose it. Mm -hmm. Michael Vick went to prison for one year, went to federal prison for one year for a misdemeanor. It is honorable as a misdemeanor and is a state law, as they call it, because it's a code violation. Because there is no Supreme Court case that allows for pets to be guarded as humans. They're guarded as property, and he can destroy his own property. And there are thousands of Supreme Court cases that say that. Ooh. So you have to understand exactly what they're doing and how they're doing it. And I, y'all might be losing me in a few minutes because I ain't get a chance to charge my phone up. So I'm <laughs> almost dead. Oh, All right. Um, yeah.
1: Now that is something that was profound. I'm glad you brought that up. Then, that's what you were saying, like about the with the attorneys. So is that in alignment with the um, pro hac vice that they don't yeah. actually have? I'm sorry. Go ahead.
2: No, I'm saying yes. It's, it's exactly because it, they don't have licenses. Mhm. And they and if you actually start digging long enough, and it's it's super funny because. There's a Supreme Court case, because once they, they take their oath, because if you go and read through the Constitution, you're not allowed to take two oaths. Well, guess what? They take one to the Constitution. They also take one to the American Bar Association. So mm-hmm. they can become a member. Now, they get in the bar card saying they're paying their membership dues. Guess what? That second oath takes away their citizenship and their nationality. So when you go onto this website to download this form for you to fill out going to go on to federal court they cannot go into federal court as an attorney they have to hire a federal court attorney why because they are a practicing lawyer that's where the verb is a lot of folks get mixed up oh he's a lawyer no he's an attorney because he practices statutes called norms. a lawyer practices law that is why their name leaves off with law and you will never see an esquire on law johnny cochran practiced law That is one of the things that Robert Shapiro, because after that that, um, case with OJ, he actually stopped practicing criminal law and started practicing commercial law. Now, the difference is he went from humans to contracts. Because the easy part is taking away pictures that shouldn't be there. That's the easy part. But when you're going for a contract, all you have to do is go in and look for what they should have done and what they didn't do. That's it. get paid a lot more money and a lot less work, and you sleep a lot easier.
1: And less pages. And the rest. Yes, sir.
2: Yes,
1: ma'am. I see that. I see that. So I um, know what you said about your phone, so if anybody has any questions um, before we close out, feel free to press option one. Um, I see that there are several people in the chat. Uh, feel free to, you could type in your questions as well. Um, from your walk, Rich, what have you seen to be like the most common prevalent mistake that you see people make over and over again?
2: Um, the The biggest thing is being too wordy and not um, finishing off a remedy. And what I mean by not finishing off a remedy is basically um, not completely stating what it is that you want in any lawsuit that we're filing. Because the biggest thing is you, whenever you're filing it, you want to keep it simple. Mm-hmm. Here's what they did. This is why it's a violation. The proof of that violation. This is what I want. And... um Understanding the process of how to lay that out, because um, you and I spoke about 1982, and yes, that is an action, but it's it's only an element to a cause of action. And a lot of us make that mistake as putting it as our cause of action because, you know, they breached the primary duty because they, they, they forced us under color of law to do something. Well, that's only a part of their procedures and why they promote, but that is not the cause of action. The cause of action is a civil rights violation. Now, the element of that is um, some type of statute or code.
1: hmm I see what you're saying with that. So you have to make sure that that, because those are the little technical, like the subtleties
2: that's used to throw cases out. Yes, and they will. They, and then their favorite one is the um, they'll um, they'll the first one they always file is a motion to dismiss, um, so on to say, oh wait, they failed a state of remedy. That's BS. Just refile it and then drop in a couple attachments as evidence. Because once you do that, you'll also slap on there um, the case that states um, once evidence has been submitted to a judge for review, it has to be submitted to a jury. Once once there's any evidence that's submitted, it has to be submitted to a jury, period. No questions, no ambiguity to it. That's the decision. That's what it is. They got to do it. And, again, that's an understanding that those are the nations of the beast. I don't care what level you're at, what you're doing, they're going to file those things. Those are the reactions. Those are the proper responses to those.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. a pretty dismissal
2: m- <laughs> for whatever or uh say the state of claim. Mm-hmm. That um they can find that t- which is basically in favor of twelve B six. Mm-hmm. Both of those same response. You kinda negate what they're talking about, you you go back and you restate the claim and then you restate your remedy, you submit evidence, you attach that evidence to the case. You also attach the case file, I mean, the, the case that states once evidence is submitted for review has to be submitted to a jury. That gets rid of both of those. Mm. And, again, it's a simple fix. It's a one-page motion.
1: Mm. Yeah, that that's good that you mentioned that, because I have um, heard of certain situations where people have actually submitted um, their writs and certified copies of cases, and they weren't even placed on the docket. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay.
2: Oh. I'm sorry. What are you saying? <laughs> my my phone blinking, my little battery blinking. Now. <laughs> oh, okay.
1: Yes, yeah, so I won't. All right. So yeah, I don't want you to just enter, um to cut off. So feel free to, um provide you know your closing remarks, saying your contact information if you like.
2: All right. I apologize we had to cut it a few minutes short tonight with everybody, but um feel free to email me if you have any questions that I wasn't able to address tonight. Um hopefully I'll be back on in a couple of weeks and we can get some more things said and kind of reviewed. But my email address is T is in Tom, H is in Harry, E is in ever, G is in Ghost, O is in over, C is in Christmas past at gmail.com. Basically, the ghost of Christmas past at gmail.com. And I look oh. forward to hearing from you and responding. I will respond to everybody.
1: Oh, yes. Uh, you sure do, Rich. And I want to thank you so much for being on and providing these keys and looking at things in a different light with this issue, because this is something that, people do want to permanently just um, get rid of and erase. So um, I I thank you. Oh, yes, oh, yes. Yes. All right, peace and love. Have a good night now.
2: Bye.
1: Um, I have had, um, well, I should say a brother had a situation where he was going through endless, endless, back and forth, back and forth with child support. And when I say endless, situations were going back and forth for a good, like, two or three years. And it was a lot of I and mean, You all probably remember that show. Then it ended up putting in a notice of removal, along with some demands for remedy. And um, one of the um, demands that he made was for um, the DOJ to do a thorough investigation and an audit in regards to the um, lower court. Um, judge to review all of her cases to see if her decisions were within the constitutional fold. Um, there were some other demands made too, but what he did in that removal, just like how Rich was saying, is that he pretty much just in, um, um, supported his removal with the thorough affidavit and placed in you know an outline of what occurred, um, what was actually violated as a result of the judge's actions. Um, and then from there just pretty much put in um, his injury as well as the remedy. Well, needless to say, it didn't end up having to go through to federal court because I guess the lower courts had got a little antsy about everything that was outlined in that removal and in the affidavit, and things pretty much worked out in his favor. So just um, look at that because in certain cases people may – um, Straight away from removing cases to the federal court because they feel like, okay, they haven't had that experience, so they will find themselves going back and forth and getting stuck on the lower level with dealing with these city and state courts. But, you know, have no um, fear or no doubt because once you go into... Um, looking and start reviewing and studying um, federal court cases to see how they flow, um, get a grasp on the doctrines, because, like, you know, Rich had mentioned mention of that um, incorporation doctrine. Actually, let me get my notes real quick, because as you all know, you know, I'm a student and I am learning as well. But what he said in regards to the um, – let me make sure let me see here – I don't see it. But right, it was the um, the incorporation doctrine. What he made mention in regards to that, um, there's also too like a community care doctrine that exists. And I'm just bringing that up because what I find is that when you start looking at these different doctrines, these actually come in into the underlying principles with dealing with some of these things that are trying to be reinforced and placed upon the people. And I bring up on um, the community care doctrine, because this is something that sometimes um, these uh, municipalities try to use in regards to making justification for removal of vehicles, and with that community care doctrine is pretty much um, stating that like if a vehicle is blocking Um, traffic or um, movement of others or if there's some type of major instruction going on, then they try to use that as a justification for um, removing and doing the towing and things of that nature. So in certain cases, if they're trying to reinforce that and you know that you have not blocked any type of passageways, driveways, or anyone from coming to and fro then that is something that you may come across where you would have to go and rebut that and to know to look at the details of everything that's dealing with the different doctrines. So just keep that in mind. And um, as Rich said, if y'all have any questions, um, feel free um to reach out to him, direct. Um Another thing, too, is that um, he, remember, he made mention of why, Certain attorneys cannot even go into federal court, and there were several starting to decisions, and he gave an overview of his actual experience. Now, this is a blog talk, I must say, with this show. You may want to um, play this back and forth and have this rolling, um, you know, in your comings and goings to make sure that everything starts sinking, and then, too, remember what he made mention of in regards to the Harvard Law Review. Um, in addition to being online um you can actually go to your local law library and they will have volumes upon volumes of different journals and also too i mean all of the and actually I mean, in addition to Harvard, even like your Yale law Review, your Stanford, all of the law schools um have their law reviews, so you could pretty much take a look at that. so I hope that this was I trust that this was very helpful. Uh, before everyone, and if you have any testimonials or any that you were able to get a victory on, feel free to reach out and come forward. Um, you can send an email direct at news at civilalertradio dot com. Again, that's news at civilalertradio dot com. So I'm going to close out for the night, and like always, you know the goal at Civil Alert Rising three hundred and sixty. It to be informative, engaging, and third eye-opening. And we'll be forward on Thursday at 9.30 p.m. EST. So sleep well and have some sweet dreams. Peace and love, everyone.
2: The